McLeod. Mm. O. M. Me. This is like uber creepy, Scoop. Hello, my children. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Welcome, everybody, to Supernatural The Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me today is Michael Flores. Hello! And we are talking about Season 13, Episode 21, Beat the Devil Off. Oh. No, just Beat the Devil. Ryan's not here today to make the dick joke, so I, oh. I I went with it. That's very sexually aggressive. The whole episode in the very beginning was very sexually aggressive. Listen, I don't want to hear any sexual shaming of our show ever again. Did I, did I complain about any of it? No, I'm just saying. I'm like, hey, never complain that we're dirty. Because oh, oh, exactly. okay. we are just an extension of the show. Of the show. And if anything can be said about Dab, Dab is a sexually suggestive son of a bitch. He loves his sexually sexual innuendos. Dude, they were rampant in this episode. The oh, first the, the opening, opening scene minutes. The first what? Come on. Yeah. The whole teaser was one big sexual innuendo. Impotence joke. I love it. It works. Yeah, it was great. And so I I honestly felt for a half second there that Ryan was a guest spot for the writing room. Yeah. Just because of that in this episode. The dick jokes, the that, Rowena and that's Gabriel. That's why he's not here, because he was actually working. He was in Vancouver. <laughs> he was working on this episode. <laughs> All right. Now, this one was written by Robert Barons and directed by Phil Sagricia, which I'm hoping I got that right. I'm trying, guys. Look at you. I'm trying. And this was Barons' third episode this season, and it's the first one that didn't directly deal with the Wayward Sisters. So it was kind of nice to see who one of the writers that we feel is perhaps the strongest of the writing room come back to the show, the main myth arc that he hadn't talked about at all during the season, during his episodes come back and really kick this episode off in a lot of great ways we got a great team with him and Sagricia. we've got great callbacks to previous elements of the show we've got the characters making actual impactful decisions that affect the rest of the story that drive the plot along in this one we get to see apocalypse world more which is always fun for us at this point and a lot of different little things that if you're paying a lot of attention to you can see whether it's Sam's hopefulness, Rowena's PTSD, her, that guiding her decisions, Dean changing as a character in a lot of ways. And I think we're starting to see the very first signs of where his, quote, other character might be going in season 14. Right. And and just Lucifer was also, I'm a Lucifer fan, but I hadn't liked a couple of his last appearances. 
he came back full swinging in this episode. It was fucking great. Well, dude. it's Lucifer being Lucifer, an yes. antagonistic, Angry manipulative best. individual. That's his strength. That's his weapon. Yes, he's a strong character. We already know he's an archangel and one of the strongest. But his real strength lies in the roots of his character. The liar, the great deceiver, the manipulator. Mm-hmm. And when he, the snake in the garden, forget about the days of Lucifer being scary. Once they decide to bring back Lucifer as, we a, as a permanent guest, those days are done. The yeah. idea of the, the snake tricking Eve, the whole thing, you giving the character that those moments is, as you said, Mike, what makes it feel real, what makes it feel consistent over fuck 10 years almost. Yeah. It's his character to a T. I mean, that's what we have come to expect from Lucifer. And not only that aspect, but also the well-thought-out cinematography this week, the prosthetics, and the reimagining of the vampires and the new lore that went with that. Everything just felt so great for this episode. And and it had to be. I mean, we have three episodes left in season 13. This episode had to jumpstart the final leg of the season and i think it did a pretty good job with that i think it kicked off a lot of different things and it brought a lot of characters forward in their own story arc for this episode and for this season and it it was nice because the characters felt realistic they felt consistent it wasn't just this kind of one funny off episode that we had seen for the mid part of the season it felt like a continuation of where sam was from the end of season 12 a continuation of where dean was from earlier this very season now, despite that, the, there were some complaints that we saw on both our Facebook page and through other social media outlets about Dean leaving Sam's body behind. And this is something we're going to discuss in depth, obviously. I got to say, though, I disagree. I disagree with people's assumptions that it felt out of character. I, I don't believe that given the scenario, given who was talking to him, given the goal and That's the issues right. at hand. That's the uh... it made sense. That's the uh, the focus right there. Who he who was talking to him? Who told him let it go? Who said he's gone? It was Castiel. If right. it was anybody else, I, I might have questioned Dean's decision. But it made sense. Yeah, and we're gonna get into that because yeah. there's a whole lot more that went along with that scene. First watch, I, I was kind of on the side of yeah, you know what? That doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like See, it makes I, a lot it, of sense. It, but it then worked for me, which is odd. after. No, it worked, but leaving it how they left it, mm-hmm. I felt uncomfortable. And in retrospect, that probably was the point. Oh, yeah. It worked. So, we'll, again, we'll get into that in a little bit. This episode, guys, is going to be is a, is a long one. In fact, we're going to kind of do a different thing today. We're going to split this discussion into two separate parts. Before you freak out, that does not mean we're going to cliffhang our own discussion. This is going to be a first part. It'll be a complete discussion, a complete breakdown of this episode, the regular show we do every week. But what we're also going to do is we're going to do an expansion on something that we we had an idea of doing for 10 minutes at the crossroads, but it kind of spiraled and grew from that based on the events in this episode, which is the possibilities of doing an entire season from the alternate world. Any alternate world, but specifically we're talking the apocalypse world in this one. So that is going to be basically a companion episode. It'll be 
live immediately after this one. So if you're on Patreon, if you are a subscriber, you can continue to listen, continue to watch, and you'll see that. Uh, however, if you are interested in it after the fact, it will be available on Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. If you are interested in hearing where our thoughts are, what could be done with that, the possibilities that it opens up, and the the viability of doing an entire show from the apocalypse world and how that would look, how it would change the dynamic of the show. Would it bring it back closer to the original Kripke days because it's far more violent and dark? Would it have something new and be completely different and change every aspect of what we've come to know from the show? So, again, that's going to be directly after this main episode. But as always, we've got some news Hold first. On. So there's two oh, options. You didn't really options. get it. There's two options. Uh, there's the $15 tier, and you gain access to this live video feed if people are watching now, and it includes the quarterly gifts as well. So when you pledged $15 or more, you gain access to the live video feed and the extended show. Okay. Option two is the $10 tier, which will be a fully produced on-demand video cast that you can watch at any time. So those are the two options. Go to patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. There you go. Now, we've got an article here, a little bit of news, as we always talk about first, from tvguide.com asking, is Jack headed to the dark side? Now, with the introduction of Lucifer to his first time meeting Jack, we know that's going to spark all kinds of different shit. He's got, clearly he's got family issues. Castiel has been the only one who he had as a father, father figure before, but he's had this surrogate family with the Winchesters with Mary for X amount of months now. But having his true father finally show up is no doubt going to affect how Jack reacts, how he thinks about things. Is he going to have influence over him? According to Alexander Calvert, that inevitable face-to-face meeting with dear old dad might end up being more influential than Jack could ever have anticipated. He says, I think because Jack is so new to the world, he hasn't carved out exactly who he is. So having his real dad have a relationship with him, there's a huge opportunity for Lucifer to influence Jack in ways that Jack had never even thought possible before, opening up Jack's world. Now that Lucifer is invested in... Connecting with his son, there's no doubt that he'll put all the stop, pull out all the stops in order to sway Jack's behavior from his adopted family, which makes sense. And we see that true purpose come to light in this episode. It's why he brought Sam back. It's the only thing that brought him from just being like, yeah, whatever, Gabriel, let me die. Kill me. Go ahead. That not giving a flying crap attitude has completely changed because Jack is the only thing perhaps in the world ever that has mattered to him. And he is the great manipulator. We see a little bit of that in this episode. We've known it for years. Jack is so naive. I think the big question here is whether or not Lucifer is going to use those manipulative qualities of his Mm -hmm. to hopefully find favor within Jack's eyes. Is that something he's going to do? Or is this something that he can finally treat as something pure? Is Lucifer able to be sincere because I feel like number one, I think it's safe to assume that he is being sincere when it comes to wanting his son, but is he going to go, but is he going to go about winning Jack over the right way? Or is he going to do it the Lucifer way and end up burning that bridge? And when he burns that bridge, is Jack going to be on it and he's going to fall down into some type of of darkness, Yeah, you know, that's going to end up affecting the way he looks at things. And we've talked about that. Anakin Skywalker comparison 
And what better example of the potential of Lucifer than the emperor being that that voice in the back of your head that despite hearing what you should do from the people who love you and care about you, Obi-Wan and, and all that, the emperor is the one who ultimately got that control through through a little bit of manipulation of playing into what he wanted. Jack is very naive. We've seen that throughout this season. He's very much like Castiel felt in the early seasons. Right. Lucifer is the greatest manipulator. It makes sense because he's gotten Sam and others who know better to do what he wants. And Jack is ripe for the picking. Oh, dude, absolutely. He fucking is. Especially the biggest fear that I have right now is that he's going to be wooed over by his father because he doesn't know any better. Well, especially given his power level, Alexander Calvert goes on to say, we see these little movements of how powerful Jack truly is, but he's definitely hasn't realized his full potential. The fact that Jack is so powerful has made him cocky against Michael as it is and got some people killed in the previous episode. So the idea that Lucifer can tap into that because Jack theoretically shouldn't fear him. Right. So Jack could easily get into a situation where he's like, like Anakin did where I'm so powerful. I don't need to worry about you because you're not a real threat, not realizing what is being done in the subconscious. And based on Donatello, Donatello's explanation of the strength of a Nephilim, we already know he's much stronger than Lucifer. Right. And if he, if Michael in this apocalypse universe is much, much stronger. Yeah. And he beat Lucifer, no real issue. So I, I want to see, I, I do. And I don't want to see it come to light, dude. I want well, to see the darkness Jack of Jack fall in some ways. Cause I love tragedies, but I hate to see that too. I think there's plenty of time. If the writers are smart, they will bait us a bit. Yeah. Wait, why, what's the rush? Allow us to continue to learn to like this guy and then take a character we truly care about that we've invested two years, maybe three seasons, and slowly build him in that direction. Let's not get him there overnight. Let's not not be too fast or hasty about it. Let's take our time. And then when it's right, it's going to be that much more bittersweet. Yeah. I mean, it's the Walter White scenario. You don't just go full evil. Yeah, don't just don't ram it. Don't don't don't, ram don't be you quick to ram woo it. the situation. Okay, yeah. I know sometimes you gotta, <laughs> you know, get off fast, but please slow down, take your time, enjoy and, it is what we're yeah, saying, and use some lubrication for for everyone involved. Yes, just it's just it's just rude when you don't. <laughs> it's just fucking rude. It is literally. Now we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna get into our discussion of episode twenty-one, "Beat the Devil," in just a little bit. My child arrived just the other day. Came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. Have you missed an episode of Supernatural The Crossroads? Catch up on all our discussions. Just search Supernatural The Crossroads on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find it on the RMD app. Just search Rain Man Digital from your iTunes app store or Google Play. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Damn, it's a fucking hey, we freight train. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Wow. I like how Bob. That's all. Bob is. It's a win to Bob. Alcoholic. If yes, then Maggie success. Vineyards. I am sponsoring her vineyards Apparently now. It's he's potent. drunk already. Did, did he say I'm Spartacus? <laughs> uh, he like he sounds drunk, doesn't he? Pussy, pussy, yeah. vintage, <laughs> 2018. Oh my god. <laughs> 
What's he doing? All right. Next. What's he doing? I think like, he's really drunk. Tony's laughing way too Tony's going to start killing people. Remember, I told you. This is Tony. awesome. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> there it goes. Oh, and he just oh, shot And there it goes. This you, is awesome. What oh do you mean this is the awesome? Do you want Andrews? Holy shit. He is like freaking. Oh, my God, I, dude. I feel sorry for his did mom. We just, did he just fall off the wagon? I think he just went and hided this guy. Uh, amen. Amen. His eyes have never looked more Asian. Instant <laughs> slapped eyes. Oh, my For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Have you missed an episode of DC on CW? If you have, this is what you've missed. Yeah. Sure, son. And story over. Yeah, okay. exactly. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we're going to need like 35 more minutes of cape shit. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Would that no. have been a doozy of an episode? Tell you what. Why didn't they just do that? Training montage cape. Throw my cape now. Try to get some bad guys down on the ground and throw them up into the air and knock someone out. Really good on the improv. <laughs> I am beyond impressed right now. Good Damn. job. Good <laughs> job. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, I, uh, that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do now. I feel like we're done. Let's Let's done. Over. done. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a good night. Mike, I got the next promo. <laughs> Don't miss DC on CW every week on Rain Man Digital, covering topics from Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD, plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. The Crossroads Videocast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek out. And all available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. So no, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I I, uh, I think it was, we're getting kind of hot and heavy here. Um, oh, you know, with, oh, with that's uh, a different thing. That's a different show. Yeah, that's a that's a that's, that's a premium. That's a premium show, guys. Um, but if, I uh, hope the Hollywood show does a Casa Erotica parody. <laughs> oh my god! That <laughs> oh fuck! Now that's a Patreon channel. That's pay for. never gonna happen. <laughs> hey guys, um, for our next parody, we're gonna be doing Casa Erotica. Your woman voice is terrible. <laughs> 
Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural The Crossroads. Now we're going to be discussing Season 13, Episode 21, Beat the Devil. Sam, hard. beat him hard or beat him off? Beat him hard and beat him good. <laughs> Dude, from that little play, bit you just played, I do think Ryan was partly involved in oh, this yeah. episode. I swear to God. Oh, for sure. Look, look, if you need Angel Grace, you need to beat them vigorously. He needs time in his room. He's, he's going to be jerking it. That's yeah. how he gets it. And look, he was in Dean's room as well, Gabriel. I mean, yeah. that, this whole thing was set up. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Sam, Dean, Castiel, and Gabriel must work together if they have any hope of bringing Mary and Jack home. Meanwhile, Rowena's encounter with Lucifer may alter the outcome of the journey for one of our heroes. Yeah. Now... When this episode first started, dude, it, it hit you right in the feels real fucking early. And I knew that that was going to be a dream sequence, a, a facade of what they want out of family, what they want to happen, that they get everybody back and it's just great and they can have pizza around the table, you know. Knowing it was fake, though, didn't change how much it hit. Seeing Castiel with Jack, that kind of surrogate father figure marries there with her kids and is the new kind of kind of a mother figure i think to jack based on their events in the apocalypse world but so much of that hurt and it was nice because it barons understood how to make it feel genuine despite having only had a few episodes this year not any of them having to do with the main myth arc he jumps right in and it gets straight to the fucking feels which is supernatural's bread and butter yeah dude and it was nice to see that from Sam's perspective. Well, it was thought it was well thought out. And this is what I was alluding to at the beginning of the episode mm -hmm. is that when you're writing an episode of television and a movie, you're not just there to move the plot along. You're there to litter your work with various other things, things that help and aid in the overall experience of viewing a TV show. And this episode and the way it started, as you had mentioned, isn't it is a perfect way to jumpstart an episode in the way that it does a slight perspective shift. The way the episode started, it aided in the perspective change that we were going to need. We were going to be following Sam along. Uh, and yes, the episode was about various other individuals and as various parties is. were involved. And for the individuals that that pay very careful attention, about 85 percent of the narrative's importance was designed around that perspective switch, putting the weight of the episode on Sam's shoulders. Mm -hmm. You do this for various reasons. One, of course, is that character will make the decision that will affect the plot, as Sam did yeah. by bringing Lucifer into the group which is what we saw at the end, right? Absolutely. And looking at the very opening moments, they steered the audience subconsciously and overtly in a direction that lends itself to the possibility of hope, hope shrouded in darkness and elusivity. That was the entire point. That's why the episode started the way it did. That's why Sam discussed hope. He looked happy and excited. There was yep. an extra skip in his, in his step when they crossed over into the alternate world, he was feeling good about it. And for Dean even calls him out on it. Yeah. And for Sam, the theme of this episode was hope. And this is an example of Baron's doing his job as a, as a writer or even maybe elusive hope. And by taking a look at various aesthetic choices, 
You can see the amount of thought that went into this episode when it comes to that theme. Light was used in conjunction with the idea of hope to keep the theme this episode consistent. The opening shot of Sam awakening from his dream. The way the shot was framed and lit. A crease of light stretching across the room cutting through darkness. This can be easily interpreted as a light finding its way through darkness, thereby symbolizing that hope. The entire episode was littered with moments like that. This is where a writer and a cinematographer and a director work together. Work together. Well, and even his, even the costume design, he's all dressed in black in that opening scene. Yeah. The room is shrouded in darkness. The, in the entire color palette of Apocalypse World is fucking dark. Right. Like when they first go into that vampire den, ripping open that metal sheet door, I guess. I don't know what you'd even call that. And the light blinding through and seeing our characters in silhouette, literally wielding light. Yeah. As they walk through the corridor, as they walk through this. I mean, it's, it's fucking biblical when you think about it. Absolutely. Though I shall walk through the valley of death. I shall fear no evil. That, that entire thing is in this episode here. And, and even, you're right. It's it's them putting actual thought into every shot, every frame, what they want to tell visually, not just with what they say. And looking back at the theme of hope, okay, cool scenes are cool just to have, right? Yeah. But sometimes you need a motivation to get those cool scenes. And it goes back to that old adage, you know, that saying, light at the end of the tunnel. And the genius decision to take an intangible metaphor and make it tangible and apply it to the plot where we have our actual team following light through a tunnel of darkness with nothing but faith on their shoulders yeah the vampire infested tunnels was a scene that i didn't even know i needed number one (laughs) i mean number two Talk about hearkening back to the old days of season one in terms of cinematography. We have not seen a fully dark scene in an episode of Supernatural like that in years. I thought of that immediately when I've only got the light. That One of my favorite shots is that one when they're first rounding the corner and it's just black screen with their flashlights being the only thing you see and their silhouettes. And I I love silhouette when it comes to the cinematography of anything. I love the ominous factor, the feeling of that, that anything could be lurking in the shadows. And it deliberately plays into the horror element here. Even the vampire feasting over the corpse. I mean, that reminded me straight. You probably haven't played it, but straight out of Resident Evil, there's a shot that's yeah. very similar to that where you know what is in front of you, the horror that is in front of you, but that slow build to seeing it revealed before us. Yeah. And and light being not only what they use to wield to guide them through the darkness, but the ultimate goal with that little cavern, I guess, that, that sanctuary mm-hmm. where they were finally kind of safe. Even Lucifer, when we see him backlit by the light shining down on him, it's, it's fucking great. It's all poetic. It works. All of it. And people may shrug. I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's just them, you know, lighting. It's not, no, it's not. not. Any good writer, any good production team, they put this type of thought into an episode. I mean, the very name Lucifer was utilized. The light bearer. I mean, every part of this episode was connected to light and hope. And look at that framing of where Sam is. He is in the middle. On one side is darkness and death. And on the other side is Lucifer standing in the light. And he has to make a choice. Yeah. 
that is that's fucking great. Yeah. This episode was poetically strong and it is a shining example of Robert Barron's ability to bring a multi-dimensional aspect to the episodes he writes. Well, and I I love the fact that even while we're so focused on that element that they're walking ponderously through the hall of that cavern, the little details he puts in where Sam is the leader. Sam is the one giving the directions. Anything moves, kill it. He's the one who, and I love that because this is something we've talked about earlier in the season where at the end of season 12, Sam was being built up to be this leader figure that Dean kind of let him take the reins and Dean was a soldier. And in this episode, when we meet those two characters and we're going into the cave of the the vampire den, we Mm -hmm. get that again. Barons remembers that and brings it to light, brings it back to the forefront. He doesn't let the girl go up and kill the vampire. He takes the lead as a leader should. And he is the one who kills the vampire. He is the one who tells them how to do things. And Dean's just, I mean, I love Dean who doesn't, but he's just there doing his soldierly duties. I thought that worked very well. Yeah. Let's bring it back to the cinematography for a moment and the use of the darkness, lack lack of light. We touched on it briefly, but I I want to emphasize why this works. I mean, first off, it's the very foundation of horror, you know, absolutely darkness. And it's something that Kripke utilized a lot in the first season and a half. Because it wasn't as prevalent in season two. Yes, it was utilized, but mostly in season one because of obvious reasons the the horror genre was a big part of the first season right it it makes me i find it odd that they don't do this more often especially with the rise of low light capable cameras the ability to shoot a scene with a minimal light source and not having to worry about the grain that comes with it when you're trying to push the iso a little too high so why are they not doing this? You can go get a camera now, 6K camera for three grand, and it has fantastic low light capabilities. Why are we not doing this more we often? We see other shows do that. Better Call Saul recently did an episode that was an entire tr- – somebody was tracking someone else, and it was entirely dark. And they yeah. used a camera that was built specifically for that low lighting. And you're right. They have the capabilities. The show has – we've talked about this at multiple instances, but the show has changed a lot since season one and definitely one of those aspects to, it needs to, and it needed to to. to adapt. Yeah. But it's definitely changed the lighting aspect. Daylight shots in season one are darker than shit than the night scenes we see in more recent episodes. And they, it has to be motivated. I, I, you can't just make dark for no reason. And the tone of supernatural has changed drastically. So I get for the most part, why they don't utilize it, but Look at this episode and what they were able to accomplish in that vampire cave or the vampire tunnel. Yeah. By putting us in darkness, they weren't afraid to turn the lights out on us and only use the flashlights. I mean, from a from a techie standpoint, they might have had a very low ambient light, possibly some Kino flows. But to actually light the 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 cavern, it looked like they were just using the practical it lighting like effect the of the dude. flashlights. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about modern day technology with these cameras. You can do that. You can use practical lighting like a flashlight to light a scene. Whereas back in the day, when you're using film, you got to increase your film speed 
And when you do that, you get a lot of grain. So with these, with this digital era, it seems to me like it's ripe for the picking. Like, hey, we can shoot things in complete darkness, guys, and you still get an exposure. And this scene was a perfect example of that ability to put us in darkness and look at the the emotion it conveyed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say we were afraid, but we felt claustrophobic. We didn't know what what was happening. We weren't sure where they were going. There were trace lights kind of leading their way. But for the most part, we were in the dark just like they were. And it helps convey the feelings that they are feeling. I was, it puts to, you in it. To piggyback on that, it's immersive. It's very immersive to have that low light setting. Not just the lighting, though, in this episode. One of the things that I fucking loved was the sound, the sound direction. When they are going through, we hear the crunching of the vampire on the one we see. We hear the, the clicking and the scraping against the rocks. And it's something that is very true to horror, both whether it's a game or a TV show or a movie. It's what you know is out there but can't perceive. And I feel like this is a great way to have that dread of what's in the shadows for sure without doing that kind of bog standard shot of from the monster's perspective right. watching through the trees. Right. I know which, it's looking at me. which I like that. I, I love I don't that. have a problem with it, but it's often overused. I feel I, I agree. And this type of. This conveys usage. the same emotion, but puts us in the role of our characters. Yeah. The other one puts us in the role of the monster. And so we don't feel as much threat. We know that that person's going to get it, though. Perfect. But yep. being in that this situation, we can't see. We hear the noise. We know there's something right around the corner, but we don't know where it is. And we can't see it. Exactly. It works. The sound direction works. I had I listened to the show with headphones on, which are directional, and that's fucking creepy at night. I'll tell you that much. It works on so many different levels. And you're right, though, Mike, especially with the the digital aspect now of being able to control that grain, that that noise aspect of your picture, you don't lose anything by being in such low lighting. So it's nice to see that the script is written in a way that focuses on that. And it's nice to see the directors and the cinematographer bring their A-game so that we get this immersive sequence without having to rely on something we've kind of seen before. Again, not to say that those shots where you see the monster from the woods are bad, but it's nice to see them try something a little bit different, something that requires I, I, more innovation. I hate that fucking word in general, but it requires them to think a little bit differently as to how they're going to convey that scene, especially because I always come back to the idea that it's supposed to be a visual storytelling. Yeah. And so with this, with no words throughout that bit, just the sound and what we see, we get to feel exactly how the characters feel. Yeah. It was spot on. It was was perfect. And in the chat room, uh, Scrap Tyler Mm -hmm. uh, says that someone tweeted out, I'm assuming this someone is someone on the production. Someone tweeted that the glow sticks and flashlights were all the lighting they were using. See, that's fucking cool. That's awesome. I mean, we've shot stuff. I've shot things like that where we had a very we had a camera that can work in low light situations. And all we used was a torch for the key light. And then we had one torch in the back. It was a cave scene. And we used that as the backlight. And that's all we used. You get awesome shadows with us. The low light, the low light capabilities with these cameras nowadays allows you to do some funky, crazy shit. And the cool thing is it lets it feel more real because you really only have 
those light sources. It's as if you were in the cave, dude. I'll send a t- I'll send a message to a few of the insiders and see what they say about the lighting of the scene. See if they can confirm that. That would be sweet. And I'll come back with some answers next week. Now, the entire setup of that does lead into, which is a great setup of the horror that we witness with Sam. Watching him fucking get eaten, dude. Yeah, that jugular vein. Holy shit, what a great effect. Dude, that was fucking great. I felt like I was watching Kill Bill for a second, though. I was like, good shit, dude. Because for a second, and it has been on social media, and I laughed felt terrible but i laughed when i saw it because when he gets first bit i'm like all right he's fine you know as long as it's not in his his mouth to drink the blood he'll be fine and then it rips away and the blood shoots out i'm like he's fine right yeah he can walk that off and then just it just wouldn't stop it made me uncomfortable it really did yeah and i sent a message to ben caruth the special makeups Mm -hmm. coordinator space special makeup effects coordinator i'm gonna see what he says but i uh i'm wondering whether or not that was a practical effect as well for the blood i would think it looked fucking real yeah i mean why not i mean don't don't cgi no i mean you can there are some great cgi blood effects but if it's a shot like that why close to i I think it works i mean that if it was a cgi effect i mean there's a lot of depth there it was impressive if it was cgi i mean even the shot where dean blew away the vamp's head that was cool i'm willing to bet that cgi (laughs) however if they chose to explode a prosthetics head with some blood effects i mean fuck either way it looked great right and and again with the low lighting it makes it all look that much more real yeah too absolutely yeah and Seeing that aspect, it it was heart-wrenching to see him get dragged off into the darkness by the monsters, but it was effective at the same time. That's the key word there, Thomas, effective. The whole scene leading up to building on, we're we're in the mindset that there's three episodes left, so nothing really bad is going to happen until maybe the finale. Yeah. And Baron's undermines that feeling by going straight straight for the jugular literally <laughs> look at barons i know right and and makes you feel something makes you feel uncomfortable and taking that 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 hope that was built on oh, a house of cards and like just, a fucking tin can and then flipping it on you yeah by the fact that being you were resurrected by lucifer your enemy son of a bitch a guy who for all intents and purposes you know rode you out like a biatch <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just it's just fabulous writing and effective that's the key word there because you have characters die you have them come back and you're like well, yeah. why did you do that i don't understand why you did that whereas with this scenario we all knew sam wasn't gonna stay dead right we knew. no it was, they weren't trying to pull a fast one on us that is very their, obvious their goal here wasn't to give us a, that oh shit He's dead. What are we going to do? And then he's gone for three episodes and we wonder. Yeah. It's not. It's none of that. It's the aftermath. They were building on the aftermath, the suspense. Okay, we know he's going to come back, but how is this going to happen? What's going to happen? How is this going to, you know, play out? That's what they were relying on in terms of suspense for the audience. Because we already knew he was going to come back. And not to mention the fact that it gives Dean something to work with Jensen. Yes. Uh, it just creates such a fantastic emotional dynamic. Which is what, again, the bread and butter of this show. Now, that really, though, was the big thing that I saw a lot of people complain about. The idea that Dean chose to leave Sam behind. And it, it brought about a lot of resentment and some aggravation about that decision. But 
honestly, guys, ask yourself, was it that hard to believe? Is it that hard to believe that Dean would leave Sam in that situation at that time for the reasons he did? And again, the way it was done is why it works. It's the way it was done. Take Castiel's relationship with Dean, right? For example, using his words to be the one to tell Dean that he's gone. And the, the, the fake... The fact that Case Castiel was solemn and serious and Dean's face as he realized what Castiel was saying, he knew it and he believed him. And there was really nothing else he could do. If Castiel told him he's gone, someone who he trusts, what else can he do? He can either a move on with his goal, which that if Dean didn't have a goal, meaning to save Mary and to save Jack, then uh, I would expect Dean to run down that cavern and just die with Sam. Right. But because he had that goal, it motivated him to continue on and press on at this time. Well, it's not just that. Like you said, it's Castiel who's telling him this. If Gabriel had told him that, he would have said, fuck off. If that girl had said, you can't go down, you'll get killed yourself, he would have been like, yeah, great, that's the plan. But it's Castiel. And like you said, he knows when... Sam's life force is gone. And also Dean witnessed Sam's jugular being ripped. He saw it. Yeah. You're not recovering from that. No. So I didn't have a problem with him leaving again. If there wasn't that goal, let me backtrack just a bit. Thomas, I want to say about a month ago, you, you mentioned, and I don't know all the words, but you said something that was amazingly brilliant and intuitive. Is that a joke? <laughs> no, intuitive when it came when it comes to Sam and Dean. And you said that uh, Dean needs a plan. Oh yes. I don't know the exact verbiage you used, but it was around those those lines, correct? Right. That Dean needs a purpose to press on to continue on, and Jack and Mary were that. His goal was to rescue them. Sam was dead. Sam to needs me, a plan was very, and Dean needed a goal. That, that's what you said. Yeah. And to me, it makes perfect sense with Dean's characterization and what we know of him. If there was any doubt in his mind that Sam was alive or dead, if there was doubt, right. then you would see him going down there and doing it. But well, he, absolutely. He, he knew he was gone. He knew he was gone. He saw the jugular. Cass said it himself. And at the same time, I think that it makes sense to for where the characters are at at this time. One... Dean still has the goal. At this time in his head, he's thinking, Mary's still here. Jack still needs to be rescued. Yeah. I've got a time limit with that doorway. And he doesn't know Lucifer is escaped at that time. So he thinks he's got to go back and kill that son of a bitch too. But more importantly, the phrase is saving people hunting things. And he still has someone there that needed to be saved. And Sam would have saved that girl. And I think following in his brother's wishes, even robotically, as we see as he leaves the cave, he doesn't care about that girl anymore. He doesn't care about life anymore. But he did what Sam would have done, which was save that girl and get her out of the cave. Yeah. And once he knew everybody was safe, he planned on going back to go get Sam's body. The very next spoken line is I'm going back for him. Yeah, it's very consistent. I don't I don't understand why people had a problem with that. I think it's and just an emotional... He's left people... He's left Sam's body in red meat. Yeah. yeah. That happened before. Yeah. Because he had a job to do. 
and then he came back. And I get that people get emotional and they get worked up Absolutely. and they get frustrated Absolutely. with the writers because this season has been kind of a roller coaster a bit. <laughs> but this is a perfect example of understanding your the the characters and and the core elements that make them tick. It's very consistent with what we've seen in the past. Yeah. It it works especially because when we see Dean walk out and this is great acting by Jensen He's dead. He's emotionless. He doesn't care. He's just gun in hand, ready to walk. But then once he sees Mary, he breaks down. And he he loses it for a minute. You know what scene I liked leading mm. up to that was mm. when the young girl went up to Dean yeah. and wanted to say sorry Some, yeah. about Sam. Dude. And he just looked at doesn't her care. with these hollowed eyes and she quit talking and walked back. And that's that's where the acting God, really so comes good. to play because everyone, fan or first time watching it, which why would you, you get choose it. this episode? You get it. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. He's that broke him. And this episode, you know, was was definitely a strong one for Dean as well. Yes, I feel like most of the perspective was from Sam, particularly in right. when it comes to hope. But Dean has been morose for most of the season. There has been some inconsistency with his characterization We've this season. We've talked about that. But for the most part, this has been his default mode. Morose mode. Morose default. And the question is, is this behavior going to pay off? Because we were reminded last week at the tail end of the episode of where he's at. There's got to be a reason. You don't just remind the audience that everything's not okay with Dean. Yeah, especially with this episode following that. Right. And now following on the heels of the last episode, Dean is now put right back into that morose behavior. So what's this? What's this saying? What are they saying for Dean? It, He's not in a good place. Is it going to turn to something different? Are Are they going to use him and his behavior as a way to branch into the next season? I think they are not only because of what we've and that's why I fucking hate spoilers and too much news. But not only from what we've heard about Jensen playing a different kind of character in season 14, but what they've done laying the groundwork for this throughout the season. Yeah. You know, if we look way back where he was at the end of season 12, beginning of this season, he's was broken. I think that's very fair to say he was broken and he didn't care about anything outside of Sam at that time because he thought Mary was dead. He thought she's gone. Lucifer killed her immediately. He was willing to kill Jack half out of fear, I think, of what he could possibly do. And I think a little bit out of blaming him. Yeah. I think that's very easy to say. This is the reason that mom's in an alternate dimension. This is the reason we lost so much. This thing, this Nephilim right here. Yeah. We see him willing to kill him. He says it to his fucking face, dude. And that's why I'm I'm wondering if there's a a reason for all of this because there is an obvious hardening of Dean throughout this past season. Uh, Dean's general disregard for anyone and anything not considered Very family different. has been brought forward this year in a way that we've never seen. Yeah, Sam's always the one that says we're going to save, 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 especially over the past 3 years we've seen that change. Mm-hmm. And but with Dean you know, it used to be the whole saying family doesn't end with blood, but Dean's becoming a little different. The immediate people around him. OK, they're family. 
But that circle is getting smaller and he's becoming more and more hardened. He's more latched on to what he has because he lost so much recently. Right. And I'm not saying Dean doesn't care about the world or people, but his strength is fear, dude. His strength has been placed into protecting the family. That's where all of his energy is going. And in many ways, we've seen him transform in a way that is very different than he has been in years past. And you bringing up his willingness to kill Jack, that's evidence number one. Well, it's fear, I think, is the biggest thing. He's fear of losing. Losing, exactly. And it's hardening him. We already know fear leads to many. To anger. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Fear leads to a lot of different things. I mean, you look at the show Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, The genius of that show is the fact that it questions, it poses a question. What are people willing to do to not to survive, but what are people willing to do when they're faced with their own fears? And in a lot of ways, that's kind of the, I don't want to say a theme, but it has been the spine of Dean's character arc this season. Motif. And I'm what I would say a spine. Look at everything that's motivating in this year. It is fear. Yeah. It is. But dude. what is it going to what's the end game of this fear? I think how rash is it actions. going to a Yes. How is it going to affect the ultimate plot by the end of this season and, and even leading into next year? Because you have, again, the willingness to kill Jack, willingness to pull a gun on an innocent girl, Kaya, mm-hmm. that eventually got her killed. Yeah. Number three, not wanting to help the humans. From the apocalypse world. He's rolling his eyes. It's not our problem. I mean, Catch said as much. Gabriel reinforced that idea. They have to go into it not caring about these people. Because, frankly, this world's already fucked. And this is not us bashing Dean Winchester. This is us hoping there is a plan for this. I mean, there are obvious changes to his core identity. Things that, when you take into account everything he's been through, would make sense with this change. The question, though, is what? And again, I think that's going to be rash decisions. He's they're setting us up. Absolutely. As we get to the finale, they're setting us up for some tough calls. That seems to be. And first of all, that's that's always designed. Do you think they're setting us up for a hard decision that Dean's going to have to make? And this decision, let's say he makes it, is a decision that we may have questioned a couple years ago. But based on what is have been based on what has been happening Throughout the course of this season, are we willing to accept it? Is that what they're trying to set us up for? It could be. I could see him being put into a position where he vehemently disagrees with Sam. Because let's look at it right now. We've got Jack and Mary and Bobby and all the others on the side of we need to help these humans in Apocalypse World. Even at the risk of our own lives. And Sam being the leader, being the person he is, I could easily see going on that route. Him going with Mary and Jack's train of logic saying we need to help these people because we can. We have a responsibility because we can. And Dean is very much in a position from all the events of the end of season 12 through this year where he could easily say, no, fuck that. Fuck them. I came here to save my family. I want to save Mary, Jack, Sam, Cass. Everyone else can go to hell. I could see him not agreeing with them. About Because they could say, let's stay, let's help, let's do what we can here. And Dean being in a position where we've lost too much. It reminds me back in season two, one of my favorite episodes where he's talking to, in the, the fictional dream world, 
he's talking to his dad's grave. Haven't we done enough? Why is it always on us? And I think if they brought it back to that, that would be a really strong, deliberate callback Mm -hmm. to being, why is it always our responsibility? Even in a reality, a different plane of existence that isn't our own, it's still our job. Why? Why put ourselves on the line anymore? Why continue to do this when we could go through that rift and have everything we want? Lucifer trapped on the other side. Michael can't get through. Our world is safe for the most part. Do you think Dean and Sam's ideology is going to be changing I think and it'll veering be, away from each other a lot more than we've seen in years past? I think it could easily. And I think that might be one of the biggest ways to have that driving force propel season 14. See, because I, I asked for a couple reasons because you say fear is a motivational factor this year yes. for Dean. And definitely He's there's afraid some, of losing. Them, there's numerous arguments that would back that up. But what about desperation? Doesn't that come from fear though? A bit. Yeah. So what do you think is driving him more fear or desperation this season? I think fear, but he doesn't realize it. He's going to, he's going to be in a position where he thinks he's doing the obvious right thing. Why wouldn't we just save ourselves? But he's the true underlying cause of wanting that is out of fear. The, the factor that pushes him into making a decision that goes against what the others would say. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always been very headstrong and, and very much, I'm going to fucking do this. And you, there's not really much you can say about it. Yeah, right. I think I always remember season 10 when he has the first blade and he just goes and murders the entire Stein lineage after what happened to Charlie. Right. But at this time, I think, Fear is driving him to places he wouldn't normally be. We saw that with Kaya. Yeah, and I like it. And oh, yeah. People may, some people listening, Thomas, may disagree. Fl- flip our words that we're kind of bashing Dean. Because like, we get a lot of people that kind of want to defend Dean. I'm like, well, this is a TV show. Uh, the bro- the breaking of characters and, and their... It's designed. It's designed. It's designed to break them. Otherwise, we wouldn't have tragedy, suspense, and drama and that's I'm what hoping, all that is i'm hoping they are going down this route with dean i don't want to see him completely stumble and fall i want him to re- i no, want him to no. remain a good person but i would love to see his but wouldn't that make I him want more to relatable see him challenged i want to see his thoughts and what he thinks is the right thing challenged i want to see his ethics and morality challenged a bit we're, we're moving on 13 years and, you know, saving people's fine and great when you're not trying to survive yourself. But, but what at what cost? Right. And I think that should be the big question as we move forward. At what cost? Is there a line we draw to where we save ourselves? We, and I think there's something that can be said. It makes him more relatable to have that drama, that difference of opinion. Who doesn't clash with someone in their family? Right. And have a different fundamental value right and i'm not talking about fighting like they did no, in no, seasons no, no, no. nine and ten i'm talking but different opinion. differing opinions yeah yeah it makes you more relatable who wouldn't after going through what they did feel like dean's right and be like no sam and mary and jack this world's lost let's take the people you've saved bring them over if anything and call it a fucking day yeah and honestly, outside of some of the inconsistencies with Dean's behavior this season, when you take all the episodes where he felt consistent and piece them it, together, it makes sense as to where he's at. I feel like this is the most interesting Dean Winchester we've seen in about three years. Not saying he hasn't been interesting in his moments, but, but he's I been th- more like, I feel like Dean what they're we doing, know. Right. I feel like what they're doing with him now is something unique and different. 
and it's thought out. And if they actually take it up a notch and build on that in season 14, it can really work well for the story. Well, and that's the thing is that it, he's a no matter what we want to say, no matter what we want to believe, he's a character. And a character needs to go through change. And when I look at Dean from season 11 through beginning end of 12, he's kind of the Dean we know. We know what to expect of him. We know where he's going to be. And we know he's going to go down fighting. But he doesn't dramatically change. It wasn't until the events of season 12's finale and most of this season that he has undergone a significant change in his behavior, in his personality and views. And we're not talking, of course, about the the precious, my precious, with the mark of Cain. That no, was no, no. different. That, that, well, I said 11. Yeah. Yeah. That was more, you know, an, an, outside, <laughs> an outside element affecting him, whereas this is more... He as an individual has changed. His growth as an individual. Yeah. Yes. And I think we need to kind of see that. We may not like it all the time, but I think that's what would, that's what makes us invested in these characters and their well-being ultimately. So I, I think that we could have some real tough conversations with the season finale. Yeah. With Dean and and with Dean and Sam. Um, You know what? Thomas, let's go to a very, very quick break, like two minutes. All right, we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to get into Lucifer and Rowena in just a minute. The Crossroads Videocast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek outs, all available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital to play. Crossroads 003. All right, we're back, and now we're going to discuss Lucifer and Rowena, another big aspect of this episode that was a lot of fun to see. I and- was rooting for Lucifer to get some action. <laughs> I mean, he was handcuffed with some pink restraints. That's just your personal fantasy. Right I just there. want to have a it. saucy redhead handcuffs you, has a knife, and says, Are you going to do what I want you to do? I just wanted her to roll through the whole team. I'm okay with that. Oh, why not? She's a pagan. Is it she, was it Catholic? She's into those. Uh, into she those wasn't orgies. into the orgies. That's no erotica fourteen. It ain't no thing, especially when you're what five hundred years old. How three hundred years old? Guess what? She's had probably about a thousand penis. <laughs> it's okay. I know, there's not, nothing wrong I'm with not the number. Slut shaming. There's nothing wrong. I don't give with, a shit about the number. Around. That would have been interesting to watch. I'm not going to lie. No, there's nothing wrong with sleeping around as long as I'm on that list. As long as you're on the list, that's yeah. okay. Now, if you shun me, then you're you're dirty. <laughs> oh god now lucifer was very lucifer was interesting in this episode and i know some people have been upset that he's no longer the scary figure that he was in season five and that's fine as a huge fucking lucifer fan you got to see that coming ultimately you take this risk when you have this character show up continually over the years at some point they're not going to be mysterious and threatening anymore. They can still be threatening, but you don't have to have them be 100% the terror in every scene. You're never going to get that after that much exposure. The moment they decided, the moment Sarah Gamble decided to bring him back in season seven, yeah, the jig was up. It was. It's not Dab's fault. It's not Carver's fault. It's not even Gamble's fault. The point is they brought him back and he was never going to be the same person. It can never be. 
because they brought him, they, they took the fangs from Lucifer. But that doesn't mean you can't still maintain a few defining personality traits. Yeah, the fear mm-hmm. aspect of him is gone. It's done. Well, that was also going to be gone when you see him that much. Right. It's because he was in like three episodes that he was terrifying. We had no idea what to expect. Yeah. Now we kind of know. But but it was nice, Thomas. It was nice mm. to have the manipulative, petty, and yep. egotistical Lucifer back. I And I think... Robert Barons did a fantastic job for me personally. Of course he did. <laughs> it's Barons. For me personally of mixing and melding the versions of Lucifer we know with his final speech with Sam. We get the the manipulative evil version where he doesn't give a shit. He's going to get what he wants one way or another. With fucking Rothrowina singing Camptown Racing sing that song, we get that annoying version from season seven in a way that didn't feel a hundred percent silly to me because he's just there to fucking piss someone off and it wasn't just worked it wasn't just being a tool shed to be a tool shed it was deliberate it wasn't member berries exactly it wasn't hey you guys remember exactly you remember lucifer and how scary he was remember lucifer used to talk shit and used to antagonize (laughs) you remember he used to do that you remember this was them not relying on member berries this was them taking it up a notch utilizing core elements of a character to propel the plot along how else is he going to break free of those chains yeah, he's going to manipulate her going to have to manipulate her got to piss her off it's what happened in with asmodeus when he was in prison and how rewarding was it to see that he ain't no chump oh dude we take him for granted we feel like he has no longer any power he's weak but to see him break through those binds that is made by the new op rowena Right. Sort of. Gabriel made mention that it didn't seem like her her unbinding kind of fizzled a bit. And I think that was she used way too much power trying to kill death. But she's still much more powerful than she was, I think, is safe to say. And to see Lucifer be the one to break those chains and kind of get the upper hand over her just does a lot for that character. And it reminds us that he's not to be trifled with. Exactly. He just needs a purpose. And that's what she accidentally gave him. She gave him a purpose. And the reason why she even did that and some people may say oh she was dumb why did she get so close to him because that's what lucifer does he fucks with you and he makes you act on your emotions in a way that you probably know you shouldn't and on top of that he's always manipulated people in a way that's perfect perfectly tailored to them i mean i remember still back in season 11 when he's talking to sam to try and get him to say yes and how he's like you know you screwed up all these other times and and you let the dog take over your life rather than help your brother out. A lot of the times he does things to where you're sitting there as an audience member listening to what he has to say. And you're like, shit, he's got a lot of points. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what works, whether it's annoying and trying to just piss somebody off. He knows Rowena's temper. He knows that that'll piss her off. But also the problem she's going through. Well, especially because he's touching on that. What was it like to be burned to death? Yeah, he's playing with her Fuck. her her PTSD issues. It worked to get to get Rowena upset, playing right into Lucifer's hands. And it worked in a lot of ways for Sam too. We see him same tactics in a way, different result, different people, but it always works. And that's what I love about him. That's what makes him feel consistent as a character. These personality traits of Lucifer work. 
That's who he is. And it's, and I, I loved that scene with him and Sam because that was what made him feel threatening again. Not just the pure raw power when he went after Rowena, but also the manipulative thinking it outside. He He's terrifying in both ways without having to be this, you know, shadowy figure we know nothing about from season five. Yeah. And when you take all of this into account and the decision that Rowena made to allow herself to become baited by Lucifer. I mean, it makes sense from Rowena's perspective. Every wayward baddie that has been, that has joined team Winchester throughout the years have that defining moment. And I'm going to get to that in a moment, that moment where there is a change in their story and they come to a crossroads. It happened with Crowley, but it also happened with Rowena. Rowena came to a crossroads after her second agonizing death at the hands of Lucifer. She became fearful for her life and suffered a mild form of PTSD. Since then, she has chosen to make very different decisions uh, than she had made during her life. This is a part of her character arc now. And to see her fall in and right into Lucifer's hands, I feel like it works with what she's going through currently. If this was three years ago, Rowena, this wouldn't happen. Wouldn't work. But because she's currently, the writers have currently written her into this crossroads of what am I? Am I team Winchester? Am I bad? Am I having issues dealing with all of the shit that happened to me over this last year? And that's currently what she's dealing Mm -hmm. with. She's, she's struggling with a form of PTSD. And I like that because they've kept her consistent every time she shows up in the season, whether it's the trauma of having been murdered by Lucifer and coming back from that. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Or if it's the fact that she wants Crowley back hearing that he died and going to great lengths to bring him back. And girth. <laughs> oh, jeez. Don't laugh. It it works Girth for her. is important, Thomas. She has changed as a person. But what I like about it is that she's changed, but she's still fundamentally the same, if that makes sense. No, and that's how people are in real it's life. It's true to life. That's why she's such an interesting character, because they haven't changed who she is. They just changed her decision-making based on what she's been through over the last two to three years. But it also shows how even if you change to a certain extent and would tell Lucifer, fuck off like Sam does or or try to fight him or whatever, you change your tactics, he still knows your personality and that's what worked. That's what how he got in her head. Yeah. If it, and it gave us a great fucking scene where he just snaps those enchanted handcuffs i guess essentially enchanted handcuffs that's what i'm gonna say Can you buy that at adamandeve.com you can now the rowena edition i thought so of enchanted Enchanted handcuffs handcuffs. can can you can we copyright his and her pleasure i like that (laughs) (laughs) but we get this awesome shot where he grabs her very threateningly by the throat and just slams her into the wall it's threatening dude it's threatening but also very sexy it's it's a little erotic is that it very sensual if you're into those types of things. <laughs> I don't know about it. slammed into the wall being sensual necessarily, but it's then erotic. You, sure. Then you haven't done it right. <laughs> so stupid. No, but I agree with you that I, I put that in the show notes. I mean, that scene was fucking cool. It was simple as shit when you think about how they do it. Oh, but yeah. when he broke free of his chains and slammed her on the Dude, wall. I thought she was dead. I 100% thought I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. She's dead. 
That's how it ends. I loved it. And the, the technique is is rather simple. It's called ramping or or speed ramping, up ramping, or just sometimes ramping. And it's basically the technique to speed up or slow down a shot already in motion or within a single take. For example, 300 matrix you mm-hmm. get those action sequences yeah. where it starts off at a normal speed then suddenly and speeds up speeds up or it slows then, down well or both and as 300 is a perfect example yeah normal speed fast movement slow motion yeah and, and essentially you're either changing the frame rate while shooting you may start at 24 frames a second which is standard for for shooting mm-hmm. and you might move it up to 48 while shooting which would give things a slow-mo Give look, you the ability to slow it down after the fact. Or 18 frames, and that would actually speed things up, which is probably what they did for this shot, since it was a sped-up yeah, shot. Yeah, I would think so. And it, it was great. Cool. But, I love it, but this is an example. This is why this episode was so good, because it wasn't just the writing. There were so many well-chosen scenes to deliver moments like that throughout. And not just... The light, that's the thing is, it's the lighting, it's the camera work, it's the sound, it's the script, it's the character staying the true to themselves, the directing, it's, it's everything coming together. And we, with the character staying in line, we have Lucifer who has been shown throughout the season to have rage be what basically fuels his powers and having no real desire from life from the end of season, from, from the events of season 12, kind of finally coming to a different part of his character where he wants his son demon vw mm-hmm. in the chat room says it reminded him of actually no he says he calls it the evil dead camera oh yeah which we've discussed that yeah. in our um, patreon shows the video cast uh, when we were talking about the phantom traveler yep and we actually discussed how early iterations of the demons were the inspiration for them was very obviously derived from the evil dead right and we even saw camera movement like that in that episode so yes he's right that's the mm-hmm. sped up camera it's a, it's very effective for a simple shot yeah um but seeing lucifer actually have motivation again and that's something that i as a fan was kind of wondering what the fuck's he doing in heaven why do we care i thought it was about his son and they kind of touch on that a little bit but now that he knows where he's at now that he has a deliberate purpose. He he's an interesting character again, and it doesn't mean it does not mean he's going to be one of the good guys. Oh fuck no, dude! It just means that there's sincerity there. The enemy of my enemy is my friend for now. Yeah, I feel like he's sincere about his son. Does, oh, I, I will think he still true. kill everybody else around him? Yes, without a second thought. But he absolutely wants a relationship with his son. He wouldn't go to the lengths he has. He wouldn't bring Sam back. If he didn't genuinely want that. For and again, any of this to matter, Thomas, mm-hmm. he has to be sincere. Yeah. For any of this to matter, Lucifer's story, bringing him back this year, in order for all of that to matter and for us to even give two shits, he has to be sincere. They have to truly go with that. Otherwise, we're just left here shrugging. Like, well, what, what are you What was hear? the fucking I, point? What then? was the point? And I'm hoping Jack. I, I hope they play with that. I, I don't want Jack to, to like welcome him immediately, but I'd love to see Jack r- wrestle with those internal feelings between mm. his three fathers, Sam, Dean, and Castiel. And three men his, and a baby. Yeah, and then his biological father <laughs> who has now come into the scene. I mean, is this a fucking sitcom? In we're a little watching? bit, a little bit. Is this a soap opera? <laughs> I'm not your real father. <laughs> I am. 
<gasps> yeah. No, but it, it, it does need to be genuine. I think you're right. It needs to be sincere because, again, right. why the fuck do we care otherwise? But it also fits the idea that what hurt Lucifer so much was the relationship with his own father. And we talked about this way back in season 12 that perhaps this is the only way he could have some sort of redeeming closing arc in any way or a way in which he sacrifices himself for Jack would be a good way to close out his character arc without the Winchesters deliberately being the ones who did it. Him fighting Michael to buy them time or something like that. I, I would enjoy that too. I think that would work. Yeah. But I, you need to have his arc change in some to, way. Has to. There, and sincerity is the only way he can change. There has to be a major shift in his arc at this point in the game. And maybe this will end up removing him from the opposing team, but it can still keep him as a threat. As a threat in the back. I think it's silly not to think. Let him simmer for a bit. We don't yeah. need to see even for a season. Yeah. Allow there to be some resolve with him and Jack. Allow it to maybe fester, percolate, play a bit with Jack's emotions. But other than that, allow Lucifer just to be in the back next season. Yeah. Why not? Sa- save him for a rainy day. I Again, with somebody who's this integral to the show, I think you got to be very careful, but it would make sense. Yeah, and you can make a character still be just as relevant and important to a show without him having to be in every single scene or even more than two episodes a season. Yeah. You know, bring him back when we're ready to close this when season When you have out. a story for him. The yeah. series out. The even. series out, yeah. Now, guys, if you want more Supernatural The Crossroads, you can get more every single month. I like more. Everyone wants more. Girth, length. Yeah. Fr- friction and fill, frequency. Fill it, up. fill it up. Get all you can handle by heading over to patreon.com slash Digital. There's multiple options for you guys, regardless of your budget. By pledging just $1 a month, you receive monthly mini podcast episodes of about 10 minutes, which we call, making sense, 10 minutes at the crossroads. We've also got a $3 a month tier where you receive access to our behind the scenes, which includes random videos from within the studio, the pre-show, uh, an upcoming cinematography of Supernatural that Mike is going to be heading that, uh, and all the other stuff below. So that includes the $1, 10 minutes at the crossroads bit. If you go up to 5 bucks, you guys get the additional Wayward Sisters edition show, this exact style of show, but all about the Wayward Sisters spinoff, the characters and where they've gone and what they're doing as we move into that sh- potentially that spinoff now if that does not get picked up in the next couple of weeks then we're just going to trash that show we're, but, but obviously why would we do we wouldn't have anything but we'll, we'll change dynamics then but it's going to get picked up fingers crossed yeah we've also got the ten dollar a month video tier where you get access to all the video casts bonus discussions the season one retrospectives that we do moving all the way through every season we've missed that is the plan with that so far that is $10 a month, including all the other stuff I've listed already and additional video casts for other things on the network. Ooh. Or the $15 a month tier where you gain access to the live video feed and the quarterly gifts. You don't have to wait for shows on demand. You can watch it right then, including all the other video casts and everything else I've listed out before. Yeah. So if you're interested in any of that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. What season comes or which tier option comes with the Enchanted Handcuffs? The Enchanted Handcuffs is a special upcoming uh, crotch cam tier. It includes the crotch cams and the Enchanted Handcuffs and Ryan reading fan fiction. It's a very exclusive tier. No one's going to get that tier. That's why it's very exclusive. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So in the chat room, Scrap Tyler says, Jack, tr- let me pull my computer closer. Jack treats Lucifer like Lucifer treated Chuck. Oh my God, the parents' best curse on their kids. <laughs> God, I hope you have a kid just like you so you'll understand. All right. We I, that's, actually, that's very we just, true to life, isn't it? Yes. We actually said something similar, I want to say about a month ago during our show, that we were hoping that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. We hope that Jack reacts to Lucifer the exact same way Lucifer reacts to Chuck. And there suddenly a light turns on. It makes sense. And Lucifer realizes what he has done wrong his entire life. His kids do change parents' parents' perspective on things. So I would love for them to play with that. That's a great idea. And it makes a lot of sense, especially with the recent season, uh, season 11, where Lucifer and God slash Chuck had kind of a heart to heart. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. It would. And especially since, isn't that like Lucifer's core identity? Yeah. His disgruntlement with his father and, and feeling like no one loves him and, and people reject him because he has a, as an independent voice. So for them to play with that, oh, dude, and they I think swap that's roles between Jack and Lucifer, that would be one of the best decisions they can possibly make. And again, I think it would make the conversation he and Chuck had make mean all the more relevant. Yeah. And again, it's also relatable because, I mean, Mike, you're a father. You can attest to it probably. The kids, kids not only break your heart, but your son has given you shit probably in many ways that you gave your father shit. The same behavior of the teenager saying fuck you dad concept passes on from generation to generation and it's only when you become a parent that you learn that and you really realize fuck you dad i hate you (laughs) i mean it makes him also more relatable yeah now another an interesting part of this and and a character that i've really enjoyed what they've done with him this season is castiel and he's a character that we struggle with not because we don't love him we fucking love that character because they don't know what to do with him right and we've we've complained about this since season 10 that's a long time coming but in this season he feels very much true to his old ways and very much to me personally filling the role that he needs to fill at this time the Finally deciding what to do with him. Finally deciding to quit with the side stories and the, oh, he's off doing some random shit looking for Metatron and that kind of concept and making him a more immediate character within the plot, within the narrative has made him more consistent. Yeah. It has made him feel like he's genuinely contributing to the story. He's finding his voice as a character. And he's in that because, voice. And is, I think that's weird to say that because he's been on yeah, the show. He's kinda. been on the show since season uh season four. four yeah. And outside season four, five, six, he's kind of meandered around and they've never really found a defining purpose for him that really mattered, that wasn't just a simple side story mm-hmm. or something that they created so that he fucks up and he creates problems. And sometimes his right. decisions are nothing more than a plot device just to keep things moving. And what they've done with him this year, I can't disagree with it because, yes, you're right, Thomas. Rather than giving him side stories to fill up time and 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 screen and, time and, and here, contractions, right, and here to the contractual obligations right. of Misha Collins, they're actually just saying, "Hey, let's not give him side stories. Let's actually make him stay with the group, and he's working on the same thing that Sam and Dean are doing." And what they've done is they've eliminated nonsense. 
and they've give him, given him a defining voice in the show. Well, and I think he's perfect right now because he is playing the role of necessity. He is saying the things, doing the things that they don't want to admit have to happen. Whether that means making Donatello brain dead because he's a threat or telling Dean you can't yep. go down there, Sam is dead – or telling Gabriel, we need you. Do you disagree with anything Castiel's done this no, year? No, he's the been, writers have dude, tackled he's been him fantastic. very well. I have loved Castiel this season because he has always said the hard truths. The hard realities are Lucifer's our responsibility. We are the ones who let him out. Donatello was a threat, and I'm a soldier, and I did what had to be done. Gabriel, heaven needs you. It was ran by shitheads before. Now it needs a screw up. That oh. line was great. The idea that, Dean, you can't go down there. He is telling the characters and the audience stuff that we don't want to hear but have to accept as reality. I love that it's scene. It's fucking and great, dude. I love that scene in the kitchen where Castiel reasons with Sam and says, we have a responsibility. Yep. We both have done the exact same thing and have allowed Lucifer to roam free. And it works because not only because of his personal relationship with Lucifer, but it gives him a sense of resolve. It gives him strength behind his words and actions yeah. that he hasn't had for some time, dude. For Since season 10, he was kind of meandering about, you know, and I, again, this is not trying to shit on him. I love Castiel, but he, he be, didn't have a defun, definitive purpose. I, I feel like they kept him around as just a fan favorite because yeah. people love him and Hey, we'll keep him here, but we're not quite sure what we're going to do. And they have and I'm not saying that he was completely worthless. That would be completely inaccurate for me to say. I'm just saying that you can kind of remove him and the story would still move forward. It still would have. And when you're writing a script, whether it be a TV That's show a problem. or a movie, uh, when you need to do some cuts, the first thing you should look at is your characters. Like, well, I have 15 characters. Last Jedi probably should have done this. <laughs> and, and say, hey, you know what? I can remove this character and this character and the story still moves forward without them. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It's time to cut. Whereas with this season, there's various moments where you couldn't do without. And they, that was made possible by bringing Castiel into the know and keeping him a part of the main objective. Yeah. And again, it makes me feel like he used to feel in seasons four and five and six. Yeah. He's the soldier. He will do what has to be done. Yep. It was fantastic. And that leads into Gabriel and telling him, hey, this is bigger than you. This is all of heavens at threat. And so, it feels like he's the only one who would even get through to Gabriel in any way at this point. Do you think that was a little on the nose with the Gabriel thing? Or do you think they're setting it up where Gabriel will be the one to fix heaven? I think a mix in some ways. I think it is on the nose, but I think that is their deliberate setup. You don't think Castiel or you don't think Lucifer and Gabriel will work no. together? No, I, I, I honestly see Lucifer either A, dying at the hands of Michael, trying to save Jack, trying to be a little... Oh, make Sever a final, now is speculation. A final final push to be different. Are we there now? Are we calling things out? Put on the back burner entirely, like yeah. we suggested. And Gabriel, that's a great way for Gabriel to close out. He left heaven because he didn't want to be a part of any of that. Yeah. And all those characters that he left because of are gone now. Yep. It works. Let's so. let's talk a bit about the biblical allegories, okay? Because there's been – this is a show that is steeped in Christian mysticism. I oh, mean, yeah. It's from the, the, the get-go, It's dude. the foundation of the show. 
But I feel like this year and even last year, there has been, uh, I want to say the writers have been working with an idea pertaining to Mariology. Is Dab and company playing with this idea more than we actually know? If you look at moments in last week's episode, there were shots that we didn't really get into because we were running out of time. But there were shots that were framed in such a way that there was a cross that hung over her head. Even with Lucifer's words this week, oh, Mother Mary, are you you guys all here to to uh, save Mother Mary? And they've been toying with this idea for quite some time. The, The deal she made with Yellow Eyes way back in season one giving up her son the sacrifice it's always served the way as, biblical mary did exactly it's always served as a subtle theme of sorts and then you take this along with the messianic overtones in connection to sam and later dean it would make sense of mary's connection and importance is brought to the forefront because why bring her back from death perhaps she is a part of this bigger picture that Chuck and death are talking about because you're left wondering, why do you bring her back? Okay, great. It's a great little way to move the story along, but moving forward, what's her purpose in all of this? Because for the most part, Mary's simply a plot device this season. Yeah, she She is is, in a lot of ways. She's the myth arc. You know, we keep, we keep discussing what's the myth arc this season. What's the myth arc? And I don't think it's Michael. I don't think it's oh no, it's Lucifer. Now. In a lot of ways, the main myth arc is simply how do we rescue Mary, Mother Mary? And with all the symbolism that you see in the cinematography, every time we go to a shot with her, there is some type of Christian symbolism in the background. Are they just fucking with us, or do you <laughs> think they're going to finally bring her oh, true man. importance forward? It's hard to say because. Because one, you're right. She has been a plot device. We like Mary. We enjoy Samantha as the character, as as the actor. We've enjoyed her time. And we know that thematically family means a lot in Supernatural. But what is the purpose of having her come back other than they try to connect with her through season 12. It doesn't really work out. And then she's gone for season 13. So they go to get her. Replace her with the Holy Grail or whatever MacGuffin you want. And it's the same thing this season. They have to get to the apocalypse earth to get X, but why? And, and are they deliberately fucking with us? They could be, uh, which even if it's just for aesthetics, I'm fine with that. I think visually it makes a lot of sense because of who she is because of her name. But at the same time, I don't know if it'd be that much of a shock or stretch or stretch because we've been told this is an apocalypse universe because she changed her mind. Exactly. So obviously she is very important. Yeah, and I'm hoping they bring that forward because we already know her importance in the earlier seasons, right? It's right. all about that deal. Yeah. And they even reminded us of that last season with what you just mentioned. The fact mm-hmm. that in this world, Mary didn't make the deal and look what happened. So are we bringing her importance finally to the forefront and are they going to build on that? I feel I think like they should. be silly not to because she is... Again, going with the Judeo-Christian lore, Mary's a significant character in that. She is the one who – she single-handedly has the decision-making power to change the entire fate of reality between Apocalypse Earth and the Earth we know with Sam and Dean. So she has to be important. I think to just have her be this device of 
we get mom back and then everything's hunky dory would feel naive would feel shallow in some way because then it'd be like we got her back now what yeah i think ultimately it's not going to pan out the way we want no i can't right no but i feel like they are gearing, i think they're gearing setting us. that up finally yeah it makes sense regrettably even if they didn't have this plan from the beginning i, I feel like if that's what they're working towards it kind of makes sense and works yeah and it's it's conducive with even kripke's original plan and 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 what he was toying with the idea of mary and the sacrifice so it it all works i just think it's time because again this season mary was a bit of a plot device and it worked for the show absolutely i didn't right. i don't have a problem with it and we always asked from the beginning of season 12 how mary's return would change their dynamic yep how would it affect them and we definitely got an insight to the family dynamic at the end of season 12 but now i think it's time to see what does that ultimately mean is she destined to come back Will she stay in this apocalypse world? How does she fit into their life? Can they have happiness in the traditional sense? Or is that just not for them? Right. I think, yeah, they have to move forward with it. Now, despite all the other things that we've talked about and how much we enjoyed this episode, we still have even more with the the cool bit of lore. And again, coining a phrase, we're lore whores. I think that's fair to say. Seeing... What has become of monsters in this apocalypse earth is probably one of my biggest, not complaints, but like, fuck, I want to know more about that. And oh, we yeah. finally get a little bit. Ever since we saw that demon with the fucking horns yeah. that was entirely different yep. than any demon we knew, I'm like, holy shit, what other possibilities do we have yeah. in this universe? And we finally get a glimpse of that with the vampires, which have which are channeling Nosferatu, like no fucking business. Yeah. And it's creepy as shit. Because such good, such good work, man. Because we're used to those arrogant, cocky, you know, more I guess more Dracula esque, yeah, vampires. Whereas these versions are primal monsters, something out of twenty eight days or was it thirty days of night? Yeah, that Vamp- kind of shit. Vampires have changed a bit. Yeah, I mean the alpha has that. I guess that drastic. He's the Dracula, Dracula vibe. motherfucker. It's a little bit of that aristocratic <laughs> tone yes. to them. Um, but yeah, more humanistic. Are, they they don't yeah. fear us. They're calculating more so than other monsters out there. I think vampires were always portrayed as smarter, and now they're fucking feral. Which I love that little note that angels didn't think about their food supply, and as a result, it has fucked up Earth's very ecosystem on a way that we don't really consider. We know that with Breakdown, there's a shitload of monsters out mm-hmm. there. We know that they'll never really kill all of them. That's right. I but forgot, in yeah. but in a way, it's kind of monsters kind of act as man's natural predator in this world, and perhaps help cull the herd, keep us within a population setup. Yeah, it's 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 ecology 101, and to see how they change that, it actually makes sense to the it ecosystem does. when you look at it and what was already set up. It actually makes a lot of sense for this to actually be some. Now, the changing of the vampires, I that's something they're they're going with, but it works. The idea that the food supply is is well, I mean, pretty much non-existent. How how does a human change when they are starved? Yeah, it, it's it's a similar thing. You can go mad. You can and be completely inhuman and act different. And the the visual effects, the way they showed it with the prosthetic makeup, was fucking great. It's creepy looking. And, and again, going, with the shadows and the darkness of this episode, seeing those 
inhuman ears and those different postures, that animal-like posture yeah. in the shadows just works. Yeah, and they were going for that Fangoria-type effect again, and I, I want to find out who did it. I know um, that Mary Manchin, I want to say that's how you say her last name, she designed the concept for the Canids. Oh, from the, for bad the Wayward place? Sisters. Right. For the Wayward Sisters backdoor spinoff. And then Ben uh, Carruth, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correct, uh, the special makeup effects coordinator, uh, him and his team is what brought it to life, put it together based on that mm-hmm. concept. So there's a possibility that they both work together for this new look of the vampires as well. I have sent out, I sent out a tweet to Mary and I sent an email to Ben to find out exactly how it was done. So we can get some inside information, just like he gave us with the, uh, the canids with the canids. But I mean, simple effects sometimes just work because this isn't dramatically. This isn't technically isn't very difficult. You have to have skilled individuals to pull it off. Oh Yeah. But you're using prosthetics. Uh, the the fangs look like they're filled with the old alien maneuver from the 1970s James Cameron movie. Uh, or was it uh, Scott? Ridley Scott, I Ridley believe. Ridley Scott, yeah. Uh, the KY jelly is all they used for the saliva. It looks like they used the same thing for the mouth of the vamp. And they've done different things in the past. They Sometimes they use KY jelly for these types of effects for the, the saliva, mm-hmm. the drool seeping from their mouth or sometimes they use hair gel uh but most people tend to use the ky jelly so it would be interesting to find out um what they did so hopefully once i get that email reply from ben i'll be able to discuss it a little further but it's a it's top-notch work man and and we always bitch about practical and Mm -hmm. i'm i'm first off i'm a big vfx guy i love visual effects cgi yeah you are but if you can pull something off with practical effects why not Especially something yeah. gritty like that, like Apocalypse World. And I think that's why this episode worked so well, because it was a nice blend of both, knowing when each is appropriate. And I, I love the idea that the ecosystem has been fucked with that badly to where they've mutated even. or look. And again, we don't know 100% if they look different naturally in this world like the demons do or if it's because they're starved and feral i think now. that's what they i think that's what they was, inclined yeah. there and but also this could mean the demons are the same thing like the demons are, are demons the same do werewolves look more like traditional concept werewolves then perhaps, more animalistic and perhaps demons have again there's a limited supply of humans to use as meat suits, so maybe they're possessing other things. Maybe what Vampire we saw possess can demons possess Shit. monsters? Shit, yeah, that's right, man. I mean, there's a lot of questions and a lot of possibilities that oh are open, God. and and that leads into our separate discussion. We're going to get into of the possibilities of this a season in an alternate universe because the possibilities to begin with are endless with the typical supernatural lore on top of multiverse. I, now you have that I <laughs> on mean, top of changes to that ecosystem and how it would interact with the rest of the world. Yeah. And the question we're posing for that specialty discussion that's going to follow after this one for Patreon subscribers is should an entire season of Supernatural take place in an alternate world? Shit. That- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we're going to discuss that's like it. like a log it. line pitch. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's absolutely that. Why do you think I did it that way? Oh, your penis. Think, <laughs> think supernatural meets the walking dead. Oh, 
Oh man, it would too. The world's see, son of a bitch. You just laughed at yeah. my. You just laughed at my pitch. I did, and, and now, now I want it. it. That's Fuck. why. You, that's why you pitch that way. <laughs> you pitch for dummies. The world would be all fucked all up. All executives too. in Hollywood oh, are, are, are are simpletons. They're Ryan's <laughs> for the most part. So you have to simplify your pitches and be like, supernatural meets Casa Erotica meets The Walking Dead. What was that middle part? Casa Erotica. I like it. I just like the erotic part. You got 14 part. seasons. So, so you're telling me supernatural, sex, and zombies? Let's make it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Now I fucking, God damn it, Mike. Hey. Now I fucking want that. All right. It'll work. Let, let's, let's stop drooling for a minute here ourselves. It's just KY jelly. It's just KY. <laughs> but that's not because we put it in there for effects. No. It's left over from previous events. Ass to mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Hey, Super Dowd. Supernatural started it. I, I, they did, you know. Good Lord. All right, let's let's get... Let, what are your final thoughts on this episode, Mike? Hold on. Like, we went from laughing about stupid jokes. Like, let's... Okay, hold on. We ready. still got some thoughts from Facebook. We got the next episode. All right, so my final Fuck. thoughts. Number <laughs> one, this is an A-plus episode. I don't know if I've rated any other episode in A-plus this season. But the reason why is I, I take it a lot of things into account. The writing, yes. The advancement of story, yes. But also I take in the cinematography and what's being said through the medium. Because telling a story via TV or film, the cinema, the visual story medium. So... There's more than one way to tell your story and visual subtext and metaphors, visual poetry is another tool you have. And I feel like this episode utilized pretty much all facets oh, yeah. of the art of cinema. You had practical effects. You had visual uh, CGI visual effects. Sound directing. You had blood effects that were just, again, part of the practical tool box. You had sound design that was on mm -hmm. point. You had the soundtrack, the, the score, the I music say. dropping out and then just sound effects being used. It's fantastic. The emotions between Sam and Dean, everything about this episode was absolutely fucking stellar. There wasn't a dud moment at all. Mm -hmm. So A plus episode. Uh, I looked through the notes real quick. The only other one you gave an A plus this year was Breakdown. Oh, that's an A plus episode. That's an A plus episode. And, and you're right. From This is a perfect example of what can be done with television and movies. From, Isn't this the reason why we fell in love with Supernatural dude, to yeah. begin with? Everything that was in this episode. I got monsters. I've got great visual effects. I've got great sound design. Great I've cinematography. got cinematography. I've got fantastic fucking acting. And I'm interested in the story. I'm sitting here like, fuck, now I got to wait for next week. You got sex? Sex in the episode, which for some reason, many of the Supernatural members have become asexual through the years. So oh, it's nice on. to see. Well, come on. I mean, yeah, you're right. you went from dudes that fuck to dudes that just fight. I and mean, listen, <laughs> in the gladiator days, people were warring and fucking. So we it need can more be of done. that. Yeah. 50-50. Maybe Dean wouldn't be so morose if he had, you know, a side more. piece. Castiel can't be there all the time. Exactly. <laughs> give him give a man what he needs no but this this it was it was a great example of everything that i like out of supernatural and the characters felt true to themselves despite kind of meandering a bit in this season 
Sam felt like he should have after the events of season 12. Dean feels like he should have after the events of this season. Lucifer feels like he should at this point in time. Castiel feels like Castiel. And Rowena is a character that has undergone significant change, and she finally made a decision that was not a 100% selfish one. And I fucking love it. A-plus episode. Congratulations, Barons. I am confused by the grade in the chat room. B-plus slash A-minus. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't understand. In between. I've done that like once or twice. All right. And then uh, Myth Maverick in the chat room says B plus for me. Parts that didn't work for me like the whole wasted scene with Rowena and Gabe was a C. But some of the acting and effects raised it up. What was wrong with the Rowena and Gabriel scene? What it was I, the pers- sex scene? Personally, I, I that's the only thing I can think of. Personally, I thought it was funny and it, it reminded me of old supernatural it's not like it didn't work with the characters gabriel is a sexed up archangel rowena is a sexed he did up casa erotica yeah and rowena is a sexed up pagan who does orgies so for them to be together in a room where they're bored guess what's gonna happen banging to, now if it just came out of left field and it didn't fit with their characters i'd be like what the fuck just happened right no absolutely it, to me it makes sense on so many levels for them to be the ones to pair up i think one of my favorite bit of that whole bit is castiel just shamingly staring at the floor dude that fucking <laughs> that shit was funny dude i i re- when i watched it a second time dude, his fucking I, face. sam and dean dean's face was appalled right dean was just staring a blank stare sam and, was uh, and dean's just at the floor or, and, uh, and uh, castiel cast. was looking at the ground for the entire 35 dude, seconds it's fucking great <laughs> it was so good i love it like they caught their parents yeah it's like what the fuck guys we're trying to you know we're doing shit over here we're trying to save the world and you guys are fucking i feel like that would be ryan like <laughs> you and i are trying to save the world, save the world. And getting down to banging. business and he's like hey guys i'm gonna go figure things out over this here this chick like, alone in this room for about 30 45 minutes that's way too much time yeah, for him. 30 seconds well he never finishes so that's true <laughs> listen to the rain man to understand that oh good god all right. Get- okay. Uh, Scrap Tyler says it makes sense, but not for the overall story of the show. I I'll give him that. I guess that's. The- I'll give him that. I felt like it was just brevity to a situation that was going to be real fucking dark, real fucking fast. Right. And you got to take into uh, account the many different types of people that watch this show. You have to. That I'm not talking about listening to your fans because you don't want to do that no you don't want to write based on what you see on social media but at the same time there is a smarts to understanding your audience and knowing that not everyone wants those dark tones that you want to slit your wrist by the end of the episode you got to get that levity in there sometimes and that was kind of a way to to start with a high note and then bring us way the fuck down very quickly too. but I, but there is an argument there i definitely get what they're saying there's an argument yes i i thought it worked but I can see how people felt that way. Just like we were saying, different audiences feel differently about it. Batman in the chat says, otherwise, he said, actually, the episode needed it. Otherwise, it was just dark, all in caps. Yeah, I mean, it kind of was. Myth Maverick says, I'm not a shipper. Maybe that's not that's maybe that's why I didn't like it. But I'm, I'm not a shipper yeah, that's either. Different. I feel like shipping is. Are, are is any of we, the shippers? I don't think so. I, maybe Ryan. I, yes, I. But that's just because it involves himself. There were some other disgruntlement when I went through the hashtags with that. And it, it seems to be a backlash on shippers. And that's maybe that's where Myth Maverick is accurate in I, saying that. My issues with shipping is that it's it's the audience putting their own subjective desires onto the characters. Whereas this is the characters actually did it themselves of their own choices. Right. 
No, I think Myth Maverick and other people were saying that they they feel like they made this decision based on fan wants and shipping. I I can understand grievances with that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, all right. We got some time for some Facebook. Yeah, let's go through. Let's them. Go there's through a them few here. things. You go through the main one, and there's a few others I'm gonna dig up from other posts. All right. Oh, okay. Kathy Waters says, "Holy crap! Just finished watching, and my head is spinning. So many different emotions." Had a bit of an issue with Dean leaving Sam at first, as did some others, but he left him in red meat. See, yep, he left him in red meat, too, when there was a job to be done, and he was going back. That's a great point. Some shockers, for sure. Don't recall ever screaming as much as at the TV before. Of course, some tears, but some laughter, too. I'm not sure I'll survive the next two episodes. I was on the edge of my seat from then when they... uh, Why are you reading this like it's a Hallmark card? You're reading it with all the ups and downs. I love the episode, but I really missed it as well. P.S. <laughs> talk to you soon. It's getting late. I'm falling apart here. Uh, on the edge of her seat for the rest of the episode, for the next two episodes. Paul Justin says, wow, such a great episode. Stunning visuals, a revisit to Gabriel's trickster powers, and the additional vampire lore. You know what? We didn't talk about that. I know. That is a Fuck. great That's a great callback. <laughs> the, to have it trickster, felt very true to him. Yes, to have him be the one to ensnare Lucifer in his magical tricks. Reality bending oh, shit. Dude, it yeah. was so fucking good. Uh, he says, and Dean's single man tier. Really looking forward to where they're going to go. Nicole Inman Clark says, the opening scene was so nice, then followed by so many dick jokes, all before the opening credits. Can't <laughs> wait to hear you guys run with that. I really liked the scene with Gabriel, Rowena, and Lucifer. The music in the background was a really good choice, and I liked the dialogue a lot. I loved watching Rowena face her fears, and instead of running away, she stayed to help. The scene in the dark with all the starved vamps was so scary. Just this monster-in-the-dark kind of vibe, very creepy. We, We blew that to proportion. Yep. It was so hard to see Sammy lying dead and the bittersweet reunion with Dean and Mary, but I thought the interaction between Sam and Lucifer was good. I thought the explanation for how he could bring back, bring him back and why made a lot of sense and really flushed out Lucifer's motivations and reason for being in the show right now. I thought that ending scene was so good, went from happy and uplifting because Sam was alive to sinister and dark when Lucifer showed up, thought it was a great episode. Tara Sweet says, why did the sigil only affect Cass and not Gabriel? I could see it being because he needed Grace recharge, but then he had the ability to shut it down. The Lucifer escape was too easy. Doesn't anyone know how to wear headphones and ignore others in a room? (laughs) Uh, And finally, where the hell is Ketch? All that time he hasn't found Mary. Glad to have Mary and Jack back in the storyline. Maybe we should introduce Rowena to the Crossroads podcast. And she can listen to that with headphones. And there you go. And then she'll never be distracted by (laughs) Lucifer again. Just Ryan talking about all the horrible things he wants to do. Uh, Ready to see where this goes. As far as Ketch is concerned, I feel like we're going to see him in the next episode or two. It, we don't have to see him deliberately in this episode showing up. We don't know that he found Mary at right. this time. Last we saw him was with Charlie, and we even said the rift was opened on a completely different part of the world. So while I'd like to see him, I think we have time. You don't have to rush it just yet to get everybody in there. I think we got two episodes where we'll get plenty How of wide that. is the rift? How, is it based on power, it seems like? I guess. Yeah. I'm not certain. Hmm. Yeah, because it seems like when they used the grace from mm-hmm. Lucifer, that thing just opened up and was extra large. <laughs> what? It just opened up. It was a gaping you know? rift. Is that what it's you want me to say? a gaping rift. When, uh, when you use the grace of Lucifer, it becomes a small opening. It becomes gaping. Right. Yeah. 
As far as uh, Gabriel not being affected, I feel like it was either it could have gone either A, because his grace was too low, he was too close to being a human, mm-hmm. or B, he's an archangel, so it doesn't affect him the same way. Wait, what, can you repeat that question? She uh, said, why did the sigil only affect Cass and not Gabriel? I could see it being because he needed a grace recharge, but then he had the ability to shut it down. The Enochian warding? No, it's because archangels have different warding i thought different strength no that's that's why oh, lucifer was able to pop in too right or was I'm, the sigils already broken i'm at assuming that point? it well, he had already broken them at that See, point that, the part that i got or what i got from that was castiel is a regular angel and where the warding gabriel's affects not. them and gabriel's an archangel that can break well, certain warding. Can, and we've seen that before didn't yes. uh who's the last archangel that we thought was alive that died michael or Raphael? Raphael. Raphael broke through sigils yeah the basic angel sigil so that's the reason i think why. it's a it's a twofold either a he was just he's an archangel so it doesn't apply to him the same yeah. way or b he was too weak and was more like a human so it didn't hurt him as much as it did castiel no i don't get that i get, either I way, get the fact but that I'm, I'm saying either way it works yeah um randy reed says i enjoyed this episode overall i was a little disgusted when sam died yet again and oh. that's the only reaction that plot device got from me I am glad that his death and rebirth are being put into some kind of use, even if it does seem to be a short-term arc. I can't help but wonder what Billy thinks of Sam dying and coming back again, or does her reach even extend this far? Okay. The, uh, Hold okay. on a second. Let's yeah. stop there. We already know it does, right? Her reach. She specifically said in the she knows about the other realities. Thanatology, she specifically to- spoke about how everything has its place and how... We don't need the Winchesters fucking things up by going into other realities because everything's like a house of cards and it can right. all come crumbling down. So we know that they are a part of the, the grand co- cosmos, the other worlds, and that I'm assuming death is one of those individuals where there's just, there's just one of them. Right. Um, And that's a great question, though, when it comes to what did Billy think of Sam dying? Because he died in another world, and I'm sure she's aware of it, that she, he was also brought back. Right. So is this going to cause death to pop to up? get involved? Because they're doing exactly what she asked them not to do. I could see it. It would make sense. And that's definitely a powerhouse that you want on the battlefield at this time. Yeah. So Randy Reed has a great question. Uh, there. He says the, the implication from earlier episodes of that it does, but it's so, so far no mention of it. It's nice to see Lucifer doing villainous things again, rather than being solely the comic relief and bonus feature of an episode. And we agreed with that. Uh, Cheryl Dickens Peterson says, despite Rowena and Gabriel getting together, I'm still rooting for Sandwich. <laughs> is, wait, hold on. Is that the name of the ship? I guess oh, that's is. amazing. <laughs> that's good. Sandwich. Uh, then we've got one here, a little bit more negative, unfortunately. Jennifer Renee. Haha. Oh, look at you. Learning I'm, how to read. I'm officially out. I will always love the show, and I will definitely be back when it has its series finale. But for me, oh. the show has fallen apart. Happy watching to all those who still enjoyed the show and are loyal enough to stick with it. Wait Smiley face. Hold on a second. Did she delete? Did she delete her comment? She no, like, no, no. The other ones. It's within that. I was going to oh, okay. continue on. It's a bit longer though. Uh, some and we somebody in the Pam Herrick and Randy Reed asked why essentially, and she says I could literally write an essay on this topic. It wasn't this episode specifically. It was just the last in a long line of episodes I found myself not enjoying, rolling my eyes at, and or not recognizing characters I have been watching for years. All right, pause right there. Because how is she rolling her eyes at this episode? 
I, I see. I, this feels like an odd one to tap out on. Do you feel like she's been angry at various episodes throughout the year? So she was ready to get upset at anything that happened in this episode. So I she could was, see that because that could easily happen. And I could see that by the if you're not a huge fan of it, the Gabriel Rowena bit could be the point where you're like, All right, OK, we started with a dick joke and now we're having them fucking. Meanwhile, but, but dick jokes is anything new. Kripke no, it's not. It's the, not. Kripke and Gamble love the dick jokes. <laughs> they did. The whole jo- the whole first five seasons is littered with childish jokes. So this isn't anything different. And I'm using Kripke as an example because he's the the godfather of Supernatural in, in the sense that a lot of people believe seasons one through five are, is near perfect. Mm-hmm. So and Jennifer Renee, I know, is one of those people. So, I mean, these dick jokes is nothing new to Supernatural. Perhaps the Rowena Gabriel thing or it could just be exhaustion. Yeah, I don't know. It probably is. Uh, Over the last few years, the last two seasons in particular, both Sam and Dean have swung from wildly out of character to perfectly in character to everything in between. It's almost as if the writers don't bother to read the previous scripts before writing their own episode. Not only are we left with inconsistent seasons, but we are left with characters that don't even seem to remember what they said or did. It just it just devolves into her. Um, Listen, there's an argument to be made. There is. She's not necessarily wrong. But I also think it comes down to taste. She's not incorrect when it when it comes to some of the things that fill out of place this season. We've already discussed. We've those established things. that I think in the last few episodes. Uh, but I think for the most part, this episode is pretty fucking solid. And it, it does feel a shame that this is the one where she chose to tap out because I think this is the one of the best with this in breakdown. Some yeah. of the best episodes we've had this season. She's been. I know she's a very vocal listener of our mm-hmm. show, and I know she's been talking yeah. about doing this for a long time. Not unfortunately the show anymore and i think i feel like she's just been angry and then one little thing's gonna set you off you're like okay i'm done it's like when you're in that bad relationship brothers like that no you know like when you're in a bad relationship it's that they ate the last cheese it's and you're like fuck it yeah you (laughs) fucking ate my food get the fuck out of here i'm over you and it maybe it wasn't that one thing that made you angry but it was the build-up of things where you just end up lashing out i could see that yeah uh overall though very positive feedback on this episode. So with that little bit here for the upcoming episode Exodus, Sam and Dean devise a plan that will save innocent lives. Meanwhile, Jack continues to wrestle with the consequences of his decisions. Thomas J. Wright directed the episode and is written by Eugenie Ross Lemming and Brad Buckner. I'll do that for Ryan. <laughs> there we go. He's he's always here with us in spirit. Yeah, I'll do that one for him. Uh, two episodes left. We know that Lucifer and Jack are going to finally interact. That's interesting. I'm and looking forward to it. That ominous idea that Jack has consequences to his decisions. It, we know he's arrogant. Has to happen. It, Michael's got to show up, right? Here or in the next one. It's not going to go well. The question is, what, what do we see from the finale? But we've kind of finally gotten Mary... And all the pieces together, I think it's now we see the conflict between Team Winchester and Apocalypse Michael. I think we're going to see a team up. I think so. I mean, is it uh, necessarily a new concept? We've had Rowena. Season 11, dude. Yeah, we had an ultimate superpower, supernatural style Avengers team up. And I feel like we're kind of going in that same direction to hopefully defeat Michael, right? Hopefully. Or Cliffhanger. I mean, imagine that all of them having to work together, even Lucifer in the Mark Pellegrino vessel that mm-hmm. we have not been able to see before it, dude, that'd be pretty sweet. It's going to be fucking cool. 
I'm excited, dude. But yeah. I'm bittersweet because we're just every step that's more exciting, we're closer to Helatus. I know. It fucking sucks. I know. But two episodes left. So with that, that's gonna do it here for Supernatural the Crossroads. We want to thank everybody who's taken the time to listen to us. And if you are on Patreon, if you are a member of one of the tiers, the ten or fifteen dollar and you have access to the live page, we are going to be going into our discussion about what the possibilities are. What would a season entirely done in the Apocalypse universe look like? And that's going to come right after this. Just going to have a small break before that. Everybody else, thank you for listening. We'll see you with the last two episodes coming up next week. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt. 